Welcome to the Recombobulator Lab with Jason Gramnai and Chris Dominic. Such an idiot. Okay. Oh, we're on. Hey, Chris, how are you? We're on. Hey, I'm doing great, Jason. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. It's a little later for me and you now. Yeah, so it's different. I'm uh, I'm in one of those situations where it's later. You're in a normal time of day, which is not how always how we do it. You're you, sometimes I'm like midday and you're early morning the next That's day, right. but not today. Not this today. is a strange, strange thing, but I'm excited about today's episode. It's going to be great. Me too. Me too. Our, uh, we've got a musician on. It's really cool. You know what's really cool? Sorry, is he actually reached out to us? Yeah, I know. It's really cool. He was like, hey, you guys ought to have me on. And so we checked him out and we're like, hell yeah, we'll have you on. He said, he thinks this dude's really cool. He's a very interesting guy, Jerome Arab, a guy who's born in Zimbabwe, but he lives in Oxford. He's having a year, which you'll hear about in a minute, called his most prolific year. He's going to do a song every week, which is amazing. So so here's what I had in mind, Jason, for the quiz today. You know what okay. you know what it is? It's the most prolific artists. Okay. Can I ask you, a clarifying question? Do it. Uh, like musical artists or artist artists? No, no, artists like broadly. Oh. So at some point I'll get deeply into recording artists, but okay. I'm going to start with with different types of artists. Okay, so let's you, go. Are, 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 I'm, you ready? I'm, I'm right. ready, man. I'm ready to go. Here we go. Cue the music. Who was the most prolific painter ever? Hmm. Jeez. Yeah. Define prolific. Volume of work or yeah, like just put out a lot of stuff. Uh, just just produced a crap ton of stuff. It's not Van Gogh because he was kind of lost. And he he's, any he he's checked out kind of early. He checked yeah. out early. Yeah. Never trust an artist with one yeah. ear. Um, I liked his stuff though. No. I, have you been to the Van Gogh Museum in mm. uh, or Van Gogh? Museum, you I know, think it's in the, Van Gogh in the Amsterdam. Well, it, I, so it might be Van Gogh or it might be Van Gogh, but it's, yeah, it's in, in, Amsterdam. in Amsterdam. Have you been there? Yeah, it's stunning. It's amazing. Yeah, I, yeah. I was super impressed with it. I yeah. thought it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. Okay, I'm distracting you. Yeah, I, I, I have. I can't offer you a guess even. Okay, you ready? Yeah, it's Picasso. Wow, he was probably Picasso busy. produced. He produced thirteen thousand paintings Whoa. and designs. 100,000 prints and engravings, 34,000 book illustrations, and 300 sculptures. Oh, he's a freak. That's amazing. But good for him. And by the way, just little note here. If you ever get a chance to get to the Art Institute of Chicago, mm. there is a Picasso on the wall in there. And it's like a 20 foot wide wall. And his piece of art is like 15 feet wide. And I had to sit down and check it out because I couldn't stop looking at it. Oh, that's it was cool. one of those... It's. I'm not normally Mr. Painter guy like that. It, it, yeah. I'm more of a music guy, but holy crap! That's, I think I took 20 minutes to look at that thing. Isn't it was, that cool? It's so cool. That's I really, mean, it was funny. the first time I think I'd ever actually gone. Oh, this is why people yeah. are, are moved by this. All right, so number two, ready? Yep, let's go. Who is the, who is the most prolific poet ever measured in terms of lines of poetry alone? Oh. Poetry. Poetry. Mary, Mary Oliver. John Bradburn. Oh boy, I would United, never have gotten that. United Kingdom, 1921 through 1979, is the most prolific poet in the English language, comprising a total of 169,925 individual lines. Bradburn's output almost doubles that of Bill Shakespeare. And yes, no. I call him Bill. 
Do you really? That's a bit familiar, isn't it? Billy Boy. Billy yeah, because you know me and Bill hung out. Yeah. <laughs> you weirdo. Okay. What's the next one? I'm just I'm dying. Uh, you're you're um, not you're not feeling good. This is like this isn't like the last time where you were just crushing I was it. Okay, ready? It last time. All right. So then we're gonna have some fun with this next okay. one. Ready? Pick the most prolific recording artists. You're gonna pick seven. There are five. Prolific okay? recording artists. I think there's a trick, yeah. although the Beatles mm. have got to be up there. Um, oh, I'll give you a hint. All of them are individual artists. Oh, not bands. Yeah, not bands. Oh man, this is hard. I know. Oh, no, but you can do it. You've got you got to pick seven. There's five. Seven individual artists. So I'm oh. giving you two bonus checks. I know, you know, but I'm so bad at this. I don't know anything about music. Prince. Just, Prince was big. Okay. Go, go, go. That's one. That's one. Keep going. Um, Adele. No way. Archie okay. Young. <laughs> Okay, keep trying. Keep trying. Michael Jackson. He's okay. big. Three. It's just, you know, you could start just throwing stuff out there. Come on. Okay. Um, Celine need, Dion. Need, okay, that's for the fourth one. There's <laughs> no way this I is think, right. I think she moves um, some units. Okay. All right. Okay. Five, um, six, seven. Three more. Come on. Okay. 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 <laughs> Thanks for the coaching. <laughs> um, you can do it. I know. I've said Prince, right? I think you I did. did. Prince. It was number okay. one. Prince I don't know why one. I was thinking about Prince. Because um, uh, he was awesome. That's why. I, I feel like it's more in the 60s. Like, oh, Elvis Presley. And there's uh, okay. another okay. one. And All right. Ella Fitzgerald. I'm not really okay. sure. And you then, got, um, and then uh, Louis Armstrong. Thinking, okay. All right. So you have now officially are 100% wrong. <laughs> <laughs> not one of them. <laughs> Can we stop quizzes that, that involve music? No, our <laughs> listeners keep saying like they love the quizzes, man. So like, where well, you're gonna get quizzed? Okay. You could, as I've told you before, if you want to do the quiz, you yeah. can always quiz me. Yeah, All right, here we go. Are you ready? Here, yeah, here let's, let's go. Here are some of the most prolific recording artists: Paul McCartney. Oh, he's individual, right? Yeah. So get this: thirty-seven releases. Did he's got seven releases that are classical? He's got five that are electronic. He's got twelve Beatles albums. He's got forty-nine releases by the. <laughs> by he, wings he's and, just it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, wings, all that stuff. All right, number two, James Brown. Oh yeah, hardest working man in the industry, as they used to say. He's got sixty-three studio albums. Wow. Okay, Johnny Cash. Oh yeah, fifty-six studio albums, yeah. adding eleven gospel and seven Christmas albums. Seven Christmas albums. Well, Who does seven of, Christmas? That's a albums? lot of Christmases. That's a lot of Christmases. Did that story ever change? I mean, it's a pretty same story every time, right? The big fella dies and comes back or something. Uh, yeah, I think I think you can only do like Little Drummer Boy so many times, <laughs> but uh, it's popular. So Willie Nelson, the country oh, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sixty-eight albums. Jeez. 68 albums. All right. Now, this one's really weird. Have you ever heard of this guy? He's a jazz pianist, Sun Ra. No. Wow. So get this. He's produced more than a thousand songs. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. That is <laughs> I know. Mental. I know. But, you know, anyway, you wouldn't know this if you didn't look it up, and we wouldn't have even thought of it. It wasn't for the fact that we've got a guy on here who's yeah. going to put out a record every week. So Absolutely. why don't we go and check out the interview? Let's go. Let's go. But first, well, you know. 
Hey Chris, do you ever get the sense that humanity is sprinting off a cliff toward mass extinction? What with sea levels rising, more homeless polar bears, more bushfires, more singed koala bears? Man, the bears really are feeling the brunt of this stuff. Absolutely. Well, what if I said that a humble car company could fix all our woes? A car company, you say? A car company that doubles as an energy company. A car company that doubles as an energy company? Like it offers massive-sized combustion engines that you fill with petrol to run a city's power? You're clearly on the Vodkos again, Jason. Stone cold sober, my friend. And what I mean is an electric car company who takes the batteries that power their cars, makes way bigger versions of them that can power a city. Oh, right. Uh, And that exists? Like in your tiny Australian imagination? It exists and it's operating and it's called Tesla. Tesla has been powering 30,000 homes in Adelaide, Australia for the past year using a gigantic car battery, sort of, saving residents 116 million Australian dollars and reducing the cost to run the existing power grid by 91%. And it only took them 70 days to set it up and plug the bastard in. Whoa, that's amazing. And what was that little environmental bit for this episode? No, no, it's not just some little environmental bit. I'm here to announce the Tesla, the car company that can power your city. Or Tesla, the energy company that can power your car, is a new sponsor of the lab. So get one. Find the wheel of a Tesla or power your city with a Tesla. Either way, you're saving all the bears, polar and koala, reversing global warming and doing it all stylishly and silently. Shouldn't we tell Texas about this? Probably. Our guest today is recording artist Jerome Arab. His music has produced more than half a million streams, and he has set the ambitious goal to produce a track a week this year. He's speaking to us today from Oxfordshire, England. Welcome, Jerome. Hey, what's happening, gentlemen? <laughs> Gosh, this is kind of cool. Oxford, Sydney, and Portland, Oregon. We've covered the world. We have. I am so interested to learn more about you because your background in Zimbabwe is particularly appealing to me. When did you leave Zimbabwe and head up to Manchester? So about 2008. Now, I know I can see that you're obviously a big rugby fan, and this is going to take the, the, the conversation in a different direction, but there is some trivia here that's really important to grasp. Oh, you're taking <laughs> no, 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 over. No, 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 just, just really quickly, because I know Jerome's going to, this is going to warm Jerome's heart. The All Blacks rugby team has the highest winning rate of any professional team in the world, okay? They, they yep. win about 90% of what they play. Now, yep. there's one country in the world, there's one country in the world that has a 100% win rate against the All Blacks. That country <laughs> is Zimbabwe. 19, oh 1949, God. when it was known as Rhodesia, yep. they played the All Blacks. They won 10-8. And intelligently, oh. that country said, that's it, we're done. They've never played them again, and they've preserved their 100% that win rate. Smart. Now, I know we're going to talk about music, but I thought I'd start with the All Blacks first. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's always good to get the history facts right. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Tell me, the, the move Zimbabwe, Zambia, and up to Manchester, was that the family just big did the big shift um, to the UK? Is that the move? Funny enough, so my mom's half Portuguese, half Zambian. And I ended up pretty much spending a lot of my life in between Zimbabwe and Zambia. Every holiday was Zambia. Zimbabwe got really bad. Um, economy like crashed. And as it tanked, my dad was like, okay, we need to get the kids out of here. So using my mom's Portuguese nationality, she moved to England and we followed, my sister and I. And pretty much I, from the time I landed, ended up having to look after myself in Manchester. My aunt was like, yeah, come, come. I'll look after you and then her landlord was like there's too many people in the house so 
<laughs> that sounds like a bait and switch, Jerome. Come, no, don't come. Now, tell me, just musically though, was the music in you from the very beginning? Like, what? How did that start? Was it was it that age of? Was that six and sevens or a little later? Yeah, it was about. I'll even say earlier. It must have been about five, to be honest with you, because my dad used to sit in his room after work. So he has these long days. He gets home, we have dinner, and then he just goes into the room, picks up his guitar, and he used to strum a bit of Bob Marley, you know, and just like just chill. And I'd always walk in and just be fascinated. Now, those of you that have kids know that five-year-olds are quite hyper and all over the place but there was something <laughs> yes. about about just that little moment where it was kind of approaching my bedtime and I just enjoyed that as a mm. relaxation kind of it took me to a different place you know usually as you, as I say it's like you're trying to calm yeah. a child down but that just worked so it was like okay cool I'm, I'm playing guitar come in we'll sing a few songs and then you could go to bed and it worked and I just carried on singing from there onwards it's interesting there's so many Many artists who, and particularly musicians who talk about their first experience being attracted to the feeling mm. that they had when they were around certain music, not really even the music, but the feeling that it created in them and how that becomes a force yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, but I... I I wanted to ask you about this. You, you've been an artist your whole life, yeah. but you, you know, looking at your bio, your creative expressions come in a lot of forms, acting earlier on, dancing, now as a musician. I mean, how has one form of artistic expression influenced where you're at now? I mean, just it, tell us a little more about that. When you see the starting point, I went into acting purely because I was too young to do the shows like uh, Motown, Soul Train. At, like the, they were theater shows, but they were like quite the older crowd, you know, they, there was no real young five, six-year-olds singing Michael Jackson parts. You'd have to be 13 at least. And I was just like, I want, I want in. I found that they... Everything ties into beats. Like as an actor, you rely on beats. What are the beats mm. of the scene? You know, um, as a dancer, you, you, you're dancing to the beat. You know, as an artist, you're singing to the beat. Mm -hmm. You know, everything in terms of art, I found that there's a beat and you just need to find the beat in order for you to be able to express yourself within that art form. And once you find the beat, it's it's pretty much it creates itself it's a tone it's a pace it's a it's a beat that that is really interesting totally. can, I, can i just drop in another piece of crucial trivia here as you can see jerome chris drives the intelligent part of the conversation and i just kind of distract jerome you have this incredible goal this year of writing and producing a track a week which is extraordinary yeah. and we you know we've talked a little bit about and i love your notion of the beat yeah it's fantastic mm. now my wife and i wrote two books and that was a difficult chore because it was a dating book we went dating to 200 times and wrote a book about great dates in yes. Sydney and great dates in Australia and wow. uh, the relationship survived and we got married and had two children it was a miracle really but you know <laughs> we would have moments of like oh my god what are we going to do when you think about this challenge for you for this year like how you know there's a creative process people have like writer's block when writing like how do you cut through that how do you find that beat because I was playing golf yesterday and I couldn't find any beat there was nothing there <laughs> I walked, I walked, and I walked, and I walked through the valley of death, and there was no beat. There was no tone. There was no swing. There was nothing. You know what? I think that has more to do with you. I mean, come on. I'm sorry. I'll go back. I think you're focusing too far ahead. Instead of oh. looking at the ball, you're looking ahead. You see what I mean? And that's and that's exactly what happens. Is It's the same thing. Talk more about that. Do you know who Nick Price is? Yeah. yeah. And you've heard of Tim Price, his brother? His brother also won a PGA. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So his brother had opened up a golf store in um, a place called Bardell Brook in Harare. 
And one of the, like, I must have been about 15 or 16, pretty much during my O-level break. And I ended up working for, for him and he kind of would coach us. That's so cool. Man, you have way too many talents. I just, I, I don't know. I think I just love life. You know, it's kind of like I explore yeah. and I'm, I'm okay with being rubbish at something. You know, like most people fear actually being rubbish huh? at something. I'm just like, yes, <laughs> I sucked at that, you know, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That does sound like a very healthy attitude. Well, let's just go back to this, though. I also am really curious. How is it you're not feeling a little intimidated by this goal you've put in front of you? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very interesting. It's. I think it's It's more there's so much happening in terms of inspiration. You know, it's like if I feel I'm becoming a little bit monotone or I'm using too many of the same melodies, then I could always block myself away and introduce a whole new genre of music to what I'm doing. So instead of panicking, what I'm doing is I'm just creating if somebody says oh that sounded like that i'm not really bothered because some people might like this song and some people might like the next song so it's just as i say just creating as i feel and looking at the resources i have and just making them work until it's 50 tracks that's what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to put out 50 tracks this year yeah hopefully i can write about 150 and then put out 50 of those and then next year i'll try and do the same maybe if if i feel oh i haven't got traction or i haven't got the, the audience i need to launch the second album then i'll just keep on going on the weekly thing but if i find the audience or if something goes viral then we'll just drop the next album yeah that's awesome mm. you just have the confidence that if you're maybe struggling through something or you're, you're working through something eventually you're going to find the beat in a reasonable period of time and you're going to know which direction to take it in. yeah i mean and if i don't it's like what well, someone's going to be like oh you only you only got 30 songs out of this year uh well yeah <laughs> that would be fine that most people are are, are happy to put out an LP a year mm. if you think about it that way, mm. right? What's that, 12, 14 tracks? So yeah, you're going to be way up ahead of that. And it makes me realize something, Jason. You know what it is? What's that, young Christopher? Something you've probably known for a long time, but unfortunately, Jerome is the one who's now making me realize this, is that I'm far too uptight. You are. I've been trying to tell you this. You know what? <laughs> it's funny. Before we started the interview, Jerome and I were talking and we were saying, you know, in all the years we've known you, we've said, man, Chris is an okay guy, but God, he's uptight. Didn't we say that, Jerome? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jerome's like, you know, sometimes I'm going to put out stuff that sucks. Whatever, you know? And I'm, I'm just sitting here going, God, I wish I could be more like... <laughs> I was going to say, Chris is attached to the result, not unlike my drive on the third hole yesterday. I was attached to the result. I wanted a little draw and man, I murdered that thing and it went so far right. I was attached. But Chris, you've got to let go, man. And that's an interesting I thing, know. Chris. You're a creative guy, but you're kind of attached. Whereas Jerome here, the main man, is like, let rip. Jerome, I want to ask you, how do you get into a state or are you always in that state about just, you know, getting that creative thing? Like, is it, what is it? Now, I think being homeless in Manchester gifted me with the opportunity opportunity to create from like just in any space you know like most people need to get away or lock themselves in a room but it's like I never had a room to go to I never had my own personal space so what would happen is if people if, if I was sat at a bus stop and I had an hour or 30 minutes waiting for a bus that was my opportunity to create so I'll try my best to utilize that time to create more stuff and I just do that constantly it's like in class 
when everybody else breaks and goes for um, lunch or whatever it is, I would sit down and listen to it and then start to play back things and try my best to learn a little bit more about how I'm going to put together the next piece of work. And I guess it's more work ethic than it is actually mm. talent. You know, I think a lot of people are talented, but I think very few people have a good work ethic. So what happens is they they like, oh, when things don't come right or things don't feel like they're sitting in the right space, they get caught up in that thing because, oh, well, you're talented. It should just come together. Yeah. You know, it should just, oh. You- yeah, that's a very good point. It's like two, two different muscles. Yeah, but it's like the consistency, the hard work. What happens is you're able to push past that whole idea of something's not working. You throw, you get, you know when to ditch an idea. Whereas in talented people, can hold on to something and work it to the bone because they believe that it's in their it's in them to make that thing this amazing thing i'll write something if it's not working i'll put it aside and i'll come back to it four months later you know i'll move on to whatever's going to finish up itself quicker <laughs> like okay this one's it's so it's interesting because intellectually like you can yeah, someone has talent that seems to be one muscle and then there's this sort of intuition or something or the ability to let go and come back i was thinking about this chris in business right you have a business idea you have some and then there's this moment where it's like shouldn't i just kill it and you think about the rhythm of life there's creation maintenance and destruction and out of destruction there's fertility and creation and that's a lovely lifeless life cycle that we live in and it seems to me Jerome you live in that creation mode which has been so exciting because for so much so many people in the modern world it's we get stuck in the maintenance right there's a creation bit there's a maintenance for a long time then we retire and then we die professional life wise but those people in the creative world that you're a real pure creator like you like there's this joy of life there's opportunities everywhere to create you know whether it's on stage or music i just find that really interesting i think in the modern world Mm -hmm. i mean if you think about Mm -hmm. you know how we choose to live our lives and the work we do every day so much of it is maintenance and it's like that's kind of the death that's like a zombie life you know it it is true that that probably is creativity killing stuff right hey hey let's let's like pour some like some fuel onto this fire actually because uh you know one of the things that really struck me when i was listening to your stuff the art that goes along with your music is so beautiful (laughs) and striking i would love to know more about that i mean that is Mm. when you compare the art that goes on music your stuff really Mm. stands out tell us a little more about that this is graphic design artist in zambia um, his name's Lewis and he's also mm. trying to be an entrepreneur and he's on his own vibe creating like music platforms and I kind of engaged wow. him when he was shooting a music video for an artist and I was like oh okay talk to him then and then about a year later I passed crossed again and then about two years later I checked some artwork that was put up by another Zambian artist and I was like that's really cool what happens is most creatives they, or most people in general, like artists, let's put it this way, artists, they feel like is it, it starts here and ends here. I looked at this guy and I was like, I need you to be part of my team. I was like, because the stories mm-hmm. I can tell without having to go out and shoot stuff constantly and do a bunch of photography, like think about it, how for artwork, how many photo shoots do these people go through? You know, so I was like, nah, right. I'm going right. to actually engage this guy. And we started to talk concepts. A lot of the concepts you're seeing, we had actually discussed for my first album because each track had a piece of art. And then now I've taken that piece of art and I've extended it 
it and just carried it on for this year, which is what I'm calling my prolific year. So there should be, as I say, about maybe another 30 or 40 pieces of art that he's going to basically come up with. And then we're going to work on the album later. And then every single from here onwards, I'd like to basically engage him before I engage any other graphic designer and build that relationship because Mm -hmm. that will be part of history. You know, I also want to put that on a clothing line, but all the concepts are mine. I mean, I sit down and I kind of, oh, this is what I want for this track. I want you to do this with this. And, you know, he goes back and forth and then he'll be like, oh, here's a sketch. What do you think about this? And I'm like, yeah, cool. Let's go with that. And that's how we've worked for the past two years now. Wow. I'll tell you, it's really distinctive. I mean, I I think I could probably, you know, if something came up on a streaming service and that was the the image, I think I'd know right away it's about to play your song. It's got <laughs> it's got that kind of a of a very distinctive look to it. It's so so don't lose Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Can I can I ask because I am a big outsider in the music world, but both of you've got obviously lots of experience. There's like that true creative process, but then this seems to be like the industrialization of music, where it's like they're kind of chewed up and spat out. There's a very in the '90s we had lots of manufactured bands, which was kind of like strange. Yeah. And then you know if you're in that flow and you're you're creating constantly, there must be a weird mix of oil and water when an artist then signs maybe with a record label and there's this weird thing of creativity money you know pop like that mm-hmm. we, we had is that troublesome chris you want to take this <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to take a shot at this real quick. I, I think that I think I'd be curious to know from what he's saying mm. is what are the ups and downs? Because everybody knows that the the allure to the big contract is, okay, there's some power behind this. There's marketing money behind this. That's all great. Creative control goes down. Maybe, honestly, in some cases, it's not even financially better. Mm depending on what the deal is you mm-hmm. get. So, I mean, it, it, the times have really changed in the last 10 years about what you can do with without needing the big companies and the big studios and, and all of those people. So, But maybe there's still a huge upside too. So I, what, what are your, what's your take? I'm a calculator. So for me, calculating mm. how the music business works has always been like a headache. Like, why is it? Mm. Yeah. So with a major, um, there's this thing called life of copyright. So everything has changed, yes, but... There's life of copyright still exists, which is basically the artist's life plus 70 years. So when you sign to a label, for the time period that you sign to them, anything that you produce within that time frame, they own. They actually pretty much, mm. and you're right, there's ups and there's downs. If you've got a great catalog of work before you get signed, then that catalog of work will make you more money than the 12 songs you're going to give them. So yeah. it's a pretty straightforward right. deal. But if you're coming up, if you're new, you have zero leverage. The chances of you getting a good deal next to nothing. In terms of creativity, labels nowadays are not jumping on anything unless it's already got some sort of traction. You have to be guaranteed, you have to be doing Uh, at least 20,000 streams a day before they actually consider signing you. You know, they want something that they know is already doing well so they can amplify that and capitalize on that. They're not looking to market. So if you haven't got mm -hmm. your following, if you haven't got anything going for yourself, you haven't even got it, like you might have an okay track. The track would have to be amazing for them to think, okay, we'll take a chance on this. Mm. But in most cases, they're not taking any chances. They're just looking at what is the finished product, and that's what they're going. For. Oh, you've so you have so nailed the world. So in, we're well, Chris and I are in different businesses, and you know you want to grow a business, you go out into the investor land and in the investor world. And in the media, they talk about oh the venture capitalists and angels. They're just they're risk takers. Yeah. You look at those TV shows where they're pitching ideas. What's it called? Shark Tank or Dragon, yeah, Dragon's Tank, Den? Yeah. Oh, they're right. Yeah, I just love it. Venture capitalists and angels. Sorry, everyone take no risk. They de-risk. They de-risk, 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 de-risk. And the thing you just described, Jerome, which is like, if you had a, if you had the, the following and the traction, you wouldn't need the bloody investment. The kind of <laughs> paradox. It's like, why do I need you? 
the, the reality is, is typically that when I was growing up in the 1960s and 50s in the, in the, in the forties, <laughs> one of the things that, that was common was that you had all these really talented musical friends who the business side of all of this was just, they had no mm. idea. Right. I mean, it's just, it's their, their music's people and they needed business people around them, but they had no shot. And there's business people around you who are often ham-handing the artistry of all this because they don't understand that very well. But you seem to have a really great grasp of both. I mean, you've got like a mm. business plan, basically. You've got superpowers. <laughs> that's that's really remarkable. I feel like, here's a one-line question, Spotify, friend or foe? Yeah. Mm. You like that? Do you like right. that? Jeez. Oh, Let's not Just put say, him on the spot. Oh, we are a hard-hitting. No, 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 no. That's an easy one. I'd say friend right now. Oh, okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, good way to get things distributed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about it. This is the problem that we have: is people are expecting so much more for a product. It's like they value mm-hmm. their product like way above what the product really is. Uh, if you ask me, okay. You see, so it's kind of like, but I'm, I'm guessing probably we all understand that when you produce something, you have an idea of, oh well, this is meant to. This is what I value it at, and this is what I'm going to put it on the market as. You know, whether it's a service, it's sure. like, oh, well, I feel like, okay, I'm cleaning up dog poo. No one wants to do that. So I'm going to charge people 50, <laughs> 50 bucks for it, you know, but it's like, okay, <laughs> how many people do you think actually are going to pay 50 bucks? And they're going to pick it up themselves. You know what I mean? It's like, the price yeah. is too steep, you've lost the customer. You know what I mean? So I look at it. And I'm like, oh. If you sold, if you, if you did this in business school, instead of yeah. what they normally teach, it would be way more yeah. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Let's give you Jerome's dog poop oh, example, yeah. for example. <laughs> so that was Spotify. Oh, Spotify is a platform that is open. It's, it's open. It's it's got over like what forty million people on it. You know what I mean? So yeah. Wait. So you're saying that they're not paying you enough? But okay, this is a playlist game that you can get into. Get the money. Get the money right? because the money will come. If you're generating, as I say, sixty thousand streams a day, automatically that puts you in the potential chart somewhere in the world, which means that your profile is is growing, and which means that the, your shows and stuff will come in. So which means you're going to get that money back. You paid how much for your recording? At maximum, if you're paying more than a thousand dollars a song right now in this day and age then you you're really not being smart with, the, with your with your initial investment you know it, it's interesting you say this because one of the things you're focusing on that i think so few people do is that there's more accessibility for yeah. artists which is a good thing but there's also more because there's more accessibility for artists then your supply and demand mm-hmm. quotient goes out of balance right there's there's now all these other people you can choose from so now what are you going to do to stand out and you're just being realistic about the fact that the market's changed the only way you're going to be good or great is to be able to get more ears than other people at some point. That's just the reality of the, the way it is. I mean, back when when people were getting more per you know record or more per, per CD, it was also probably what a quarter of the people. Quarter, way less than a quarter. Way mm. less. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. When we were buying, like, think about it this way: when we were buying CDs, it was like, oh, okay, cool, this is an upgrade. But still, even <laughs> the, the 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 difference between records and CDs wasn't that great in terms of production. The amount of stuff that was coming out but then now we go to the right. digital world and per square meter <laughs> we're producing like how mm. many albums you know what i mean so for me it's like right. it's like stop stop for a second and if your music is not getting to the people and not affecting the people that you think that it's meant to be mm. affecting then i don't think that you should look at these negatives and be like well i got a hundred streams i should have a hundred dollars um it doesn't work that way so and a lot of artists do this is we complain and complain about things not going our way it's like it's the 
business. It's business. It's nothing to do with your creativity. It doesn't mean you're a rubbish artist because you only sold five records. It just means you're not good at business. You know, it's like what <laughs> it's, it's what Robert Kiyosaki said. You want to be a bestseller, Man. but you're 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 relying on your degree in literature. He's like, no, go and study marketing. You are truly yeah. the yeah. bilingual in this thing. How can people find hmm. your music? Pretty much so. everywhere, all the major platforms. Um, whether you listen to music on Deezer, iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, you just type in Jerome Arab and it'll pop up. J E R O M E A R A B. Yeah. And I was going to threaten you with like, oh, well, if you don't produce as much as you said, then just know that we'll hold you accountable for it. And then it occurred to me that you wouldn't care. (laughs) (laughs) Jerome, that was such a pleasure. We wish you all the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. See you, Jerome. Wasn't that a great conversation? Don't you think it went in places you did not expect it was going to go? I went into the conversation thinking, think music, think music, think music, think music. And then it was like, oh, it's a completely, yeah, far more expensive. the, The part that I can't get over is that Jerome is the most practical artist I think I've ever met. Yeah. And when he's basically like, get over it, mate, you know, supply and demand is what it is. I'm mm-hmm. thinking I've heard like maybe one other person talk like it's obviously a very common business comment because that is the reality of the market. So but true. it's it, it just feels like I mean that part where he says we complain. Oh, so <laughs> funny. Yeah. I, I wish him everything. I agree. I think we got to check back with him. We have to. 50 weeks time. He's going to have this extraordinary collection of music. I it's fantastic. We've been killing it, everyone. Thank you so much. But we're not going to sell ourselves out because we're here for the art. We're here for the conversation. We're here not to get dragged down some big corporate conversation. Oh, we're sponsored by Enron, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Pure conversations. Am I right, Chris? That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's it's always going to be a brand match. That's the way it goes. <laughs> Unless there's more vodka. Then we might do a sponsorship too. Yeah. Yeah, but here, let's be honest. That's because that's a brand match. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. We are genuine consumers. Yeah. We're not, we can't make this stuff up. That's right. So, so yeah. thank you for all your feedback and questions. It's so much fun, uh, Chris and I, doing this. We talked about yeah. ways and means we can do a project together six or eight or 12 months ago, and this is the result, and we love it. So thank you. Yeah, we love you guys. Thank you so much. We'll Thanks. see you next week. Bye. Joining us at the Recombobulator Lab with Chris Dominic and Jason Graham Nye. Catch you next time.